Hello and welcome to the InsureTech Australia podcast. My name is Vanessa Dobson and I'm one of several who co-founded InsureTech Australia, a not-for-profit member association tasked with building a globally competitive InsureTech ecosystem in Australia. Today I am speaking with Juliet Murphy, the purpose-driven co-founder and CEO of FloodMap. Juliet is a qualified water resources engineer, and I'm sure you've already connected the dots between how Juliet's skills and experience interact with the world of insurance. Please come and join me in hearing more about the factors that shaped Juliet's business building journey and the mission that inspires the FloodMap team onwards. Hey, Juliet, it's fantastic to have you here with us today and uh, really appreciate your time and willingness to come and share some of the flood map story with us at our pseudo fireside chat. Oh, Vanessa, thank you so much for having me. I'm honoured to to be a guest on the InsureTech Australia podcast. It's a wonderful community, so thanks for having me on the show. Oh, you're welcome and it is absolutely our pleasure uh, look, as I've been following the story behind FloodMap and, and reading up uh, about you and your team, uh, there are some you know, really great headlines going on and, and some pretty recent ones too. Uh, and just for the benefit of the audience, I thought I'd share a few of those um, before we jump into the conversation. Um, last year, FloodMap won an Advance, Austra- uh, Advance Australia, Advance Queensland Ignite Ideas Grant Uh um, previously, you have, um, or more recently, you had uh, been awarded the Rise Mobility Challenge, which allows some expansion into the coastal uh, areas of Virginia and the US. Um, about 18 months ago, you had been granted, you know, $1.3 million in terms of um, increasing the commercialization of your product. And most recently, uh, you personally have been nominated as a finalist in the Women in AI Award uh, across Australia and New Zealand, and and those results will come out at the end of the month. So look, there's some hugely positive headlines there uh, surrounding Flood flood Map and your team. Um, So I found it really interesting reading um, up about your story. Um, I understand you did not actually set out to start a business, uh, so I'd love to know what tipped you over the line from having a great product idea to let's set ourselves up to make this happen. Yeah, wow. Thank you so much for, for that context. And yeah, it's been a busy couple of years for sure. And I'm absolutely humbled to be nominated as a uh, finalist in the Women in AI Awards. I think that's such a wonderful um, initiative. And so, uh, yeah, no, I, it's all really the credit goes to my incredible team um they are just the smartest group of people i've ever met and none of this would be possible without them um so yeah no it's really interesting story i guess um it's true i didn't set out to start a business i um i worked in most of my career as a water resources engineer um, with some large global engineering consulting firms doing a lot of flooding and uh, flood studies, flood modelling, hydrology modelling um, on different types of projects across Australia, Canada, Southeast Asia. And so I had a lot of exposure to, to flooding. It was definitely um, an area of real domain um, experience and just interest to me. 
And um, yeah, following the 2011 flood that happened in Brisbane, when I saw one of my friend's houses get really uh, inundated and um, it was such a catastrophic disaster and a lot of people, you know, didn't understand the magnitude of the flood that was about to hit and didn't understand how the flood was going to impact them and, and their property. And that really, uh, that experience was quite um, harrowing to, to watch, especially, you know, as someone who models these types of events, I couldn't help feeling like I wanted to do more to better communicate uh, flood information. Um, and then, yeah, two years following that, I guess in 2013, I was living in Calgary in Alberta. I'd relocated to Canada for a job there. And ironically, a similar magnitude flood, like a one in a hundred year type event hit the city of Calgary. Um, and, and it was like sort of watching it play over all, all again, what I saw happen in Brisbane where, you know, there were these broad, um, flood alerts and warnings saying that, you know, this area in the Bow River would be affected and that the Bow River would peak at 13.9 meters at the, you know, this particular gauge. Um, but for people who were not hydrology or hydraulic engineers and looking at that, um, you know, text warning in a river level, if you don't know the gauge elevation datum or you don't know your asset floor height and you don't know the hydraulic gradient or the velocity of the water, it's so hard to get any idea of how that river height or flow will translate as um, an impact to your property. And, and this really struck me, it, it sort of really saddened me. A lot of the people you know, and friends in the community at the time were texting me during this event saying, hey, Juliet, should we evacuate? Um, should we move our car? What should we do? Do you think our house will be affected? And I was just struck. I was just like, well, why are these people asking me? Like, there should be you know, a service for this, um, it's, I guess, you know, we live in this world, I realise, where we can order an Uber and see the taxi coming to our door, but yet when there's a natural disaster, people are left in the dark, and we have a society that's accustomed to receiving pinpointed, personalised, location-specific data, you know, it's what we're, sort of how our brains are trained now. Um, you know, we don't get out the paper Refidex map to drive in our car, we just use Google Maps. Um, and so I realized that there was this gap to me and I felt like we, you know, have the technology now when you look at all the, you know, scalable cloud infrastructure and um, artificial intelligence in these technologies, but I realized they just had never been applied to, um, you know, the flood engineering and sort of civil engineering sector. And so it really, that's, that's what kicked it all off. It just started as a passion project for me um, going back as early as like 2016. I was um, just as a hobby teaching myself to code at nighttime and on weekends and um, prototyped this mobile app in the name to sort of better communicate flood data to to the public. And of course, flood map has changed so much since then. It's definitely not a mobile app now, but more a data service. Um, but yeah, at the time when I prototyped this app, I was sort of just sharing it with friends and community and different professionals that I knew. and when I was speaking with different people in um, in government and some of my friends, they were sort of saying, hey, you know, local governments and state governments, they'd be interested in this. And then people were like, hey, you know, like insurers, they'd be really interested in this data. Um, 
and they were like, you, you know, you should offer this as a business. And I sort of like laughed at the time way back then. I said, you know, like, I don't know how to start a business. That's crazy. <laughs> but um, yeah, I started to sort of get more, um, I guess, working with some mentors and advisors. And uh, I partnered with my co-founder, Ryan Potter, who uh, has a background in software engineering. And he sort of like helped me prototype it out. And we were sort of talking and we thought, well, you know, what if we did look to get funding um, to sort of build this out a little bit? Maybe we should explore it further because we both had full-time jobs at the time. I guess it's a big, you know, decision to, to sort of leave that and um, go and build a business. But we uh, we applied for an accelerator program. We, we sort of heard about this H2 Ventures, which is a FinTech, um, Intuitech uh, sort of, program in um, Sydney that had recently sort of expanded into um, AI data analytics and, and sort of was looking at things a bit more broad and was really aimed at early stage uh, companies to provide them with initial um, pre-seed funding, mentoring, support, advice on, you know, how to set up a business, uh, you know, teaching kind of how to raise capital and, and things like that. And so we applied for that and um, we got in, it must have been about... Um, December 2017, I think I found out about that and that the program would start in February and that H2 Ventures was going to back us for our first uh, investment of $100,000 at the time. And we were, um, yeah, we were absolutely thrilled. And I think it was that, that was really the tipping point um, in December 2017 when I got this phone call. Um, and it really was life changing. I thought, you know, just to have these people sort of backing us and our idea and saying, yep, we think there's a market for this and we're going to invest money in you and your product. Um, yeah, that's, it's sort of just been a whirlwind from, from there. So we left our full time jobs and, um, started building the business, started growing the team, started really validating our, um, problem, our solution and the market for that solution. Uh, and yeah, it's just been a, an incredible journey since then. But it was really, I think, getting into that that accelerator that really kind of got us started. Fantastic! And I imagine nothing says support quite like someone saying, "We will fund you to do something for a period of time." And H uh, two Ventures have obviously been quite impactful in that way with a bunch of startups across the business. But um, exciting to hear that that was a tipping point or the tipping point for you and Ryan uh, to to make this real. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Quite recent too. They're uh, yeah, yeah. An incredible um yeah, incredible bunch of um yeah, investors and, and sort of mentors and um, entrepreneurs and residents that, that helped us through the program and we really wouldn't be here today as a business, I think, if it wasn't for for them and their support. Wonderful. And you mentioned earlier Obviously, one of the the key uh, influences in in your decision to explore this further beyond beyond your early mobile app was the fact that you had friends and and contacts reaching out to you asking questions, and um, I guess they were your your early customers in a, in a way. Um, so today, who do you consider to be Floodmaps customers? And in what ways do your customers determine what you and your team do every day? Yeah, well, we um, definitely like we hope ultimately that we, um, you know, can put this sort of technology 
in the hands of the, you know, consumer customer representing, you know, my friends in the early days. But we really realized that the way to make that happen is through working um, B2B. Uh, so we work with a range of customers that include um, governments, uh, insurers, also um, people that have a lot of assets spanning a large geographical area, so being utility customers, particularly power utilities, uh, and also transport and logistics um, companies. And we're even getting people reach out who, you know, people that um, are other kind of asset owners that we didn't necessarily think would be our customer in the early days, but just realizing how much this problem impacts so many different industry verticals. So even um, customers like um, telecommunications and retail and um, kind of logistics and supply chain and, and things like that. So yeah, quite a very broad customer base, but really the, the product to all these customers is very much the same in that each of these customers has a need for real-time flood data during a flood event, um, all the way through from before, during, and after the flood. And uh, some of those customers, like for example, um, we've noticed a real trend in the insurance industry where there's a greater need for the data during and after the data because it's very relevant for predicting uh, claim volume, um, triaging resources, and, and triaging claims calculating reserves, uh, getting a rapid estimation of the damages uh, across the portfolio. Whereas if you look at sort of the government customer, they have more of a need for the data before the flood. So forecast and, and our nowcast products are more relevant where they're looking to understand ahead of time where are the areas that the flood will impact uh, and what buildings and populations and assets will be impacted so that they can get the right um, coordination of their emergency management response, um, implement things like evacuation centers, uh, key messaging, um, even place switchwater rescue teams and, and things like that. Um, but largely, a lot of these customers are all looking for a live data feed into existing spatial platforms that they use where they can then overlay our data across um, their asset base or their portfolio to really understand what is the impact to, to them. And so, yeah, our customers determine pretty much everything uh, we we do as a team on a daily basis. Um, and that involves like, you know, working with customers to further improve our product. So some customers have uh, sort of asked for a level of more detailed modeling where we've imported a more sort of detailed uh, digital elevation model that they've provided to give that extra high resolution um, live data feed. And yeah, we're working with one customer right now in Virginia where we're even um, linking our found nowcast product into a traffic routing app so that it can be used um, for you know, the everyday consumer that's that's driving in the city to be routed around flooded roads in real time. So we have uh, a very smart bunch of, of the team that are flood engineers and data scientists uh, and software kind of working on that integration. Um, so working with customers like that to sort of do those um, integrations and implementations for them so that the data can be um, imported into their workflow so that they can really, really get the value out. 
Wonderful. And that is fascinating to hear that that range of customer base, as you've explained there. I certainly wasn't aware of of that that breadth, um, you know, and, and it seems obvious now, but, you know, transport and logistics and and those asset owners with, um, yeah, just a range of people and products and processes in place, which which will need that live data um, in order to respond quickly and, and hopefully minimise risks and dangers to to them and theirs. Um, fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. Um, now, you may have touched on this a little in that response there, but in terms of partnerships, uh, many of our audience will understand the importance of partnering in order to deliver value at scale. For FloodMap, what has relationship building looked like? And of the partners you most enjoy working with, what qualities do they share? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think, you know, with the kind of data and uh, services and, and products that FloodMap offering, it's very, um, it's very partnership uh, focused for sure. So we look to partner with um, facial platforms where people, like for example, a lot of our customers in the you know, public and utility sector use Esri ArcGIS. So we've recently partnered with Esri and um, put our FloodMap uh, Nowcast product available on their marketplace, which is really exciting. Um, and it's, it's such a good fit. And I think like, you know, in terms of partners we most enjoy working with and the qualities that they share, it has to be a good fit. And I think um, with a lot of partners we're working with, we've noticed a trend where um, we each recognize that we do something really well, um, but there's an added value that the other could provide that we don't do and, and nor do we intend on, on doing. So flood map was very focused on the niche, um, you know, flood mapping at scale in real time, which is a very highly technical, um, product and, and sort of technology and algorithms that, that we have to do. So we, we're not going to fully reinvent the wheel when it comes to, you know, doing things like spatial platforms. Um, and we've also noticed that like a lot of our customers, um, they sometimes have, you know, platform or dashboard fatigue because they're working in so many different platforms and so many different systems. At the end of the day, um, they want to see this data sort of, you know, inbuilt into their existing systems. And so we, we love working with partners that recognize that and that maybe already operate these spatial systems. Um, but have no desire to go into the niche realms of sort of, you know, fire modeling or cyclone modeling or, or flood modeling, um, but look to work with partners to add that extra data value to their platform. And vice versa, you know, we're, we're niche, we're specialized, we don't want to reinvent the whole wheel. And that's where it's a really nice partnership sort of working out where each partner acknowledges where they bring value and how we can uh, join that. Uh, to deliver a really holistic, um, you know, end-to-end solution for our customers. Um, and also partners with equality where they're willing to be transparent and collaborative with us. Um, I think the partners we most enjoy working with have been really collaborative where we've, you know, shared, been able to share data, work through case studies, work through, you know, historical studies, um, to, to really uh, demonstrate a, a great use case 
and and basically partners where we feel like we're we're part of the team, so to speak, that we get on a call and it doesn't necessarily feel like it's two different companies talking. It's just a sort of you know project team, so to speak. I think they're they're the partnerships we really really enjoy. Yeah, and that that seems to be uh, a little rare uh, in terms of you know cross. Um, I guess entities working together, but yeah, to feel like you're just all part of the same team working towards a common goal, I, I imagine is is a great uh, feeling to have. Yeah, and I really liked what you pointed out about um, recognizing what each partner does, and importantly, what you don't intend to do. Because uh, I imagine when when there is an expectation that you might deliver X and Y, but really you're focused on X, that would cause some tension or friction. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think there's um, so much value in being able to acknowledge what you, you know, what you do, but also what you can't and, and you know, will never do because it makes more sense to partner in those areas rather than do it all, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, I've got a, a bit of a curly question here uh, for you, uh, but it, it is about key lessons and obviously uh, the people listening in, love to hear this kind of stuff. So I wondered if you would be willing to tell us about some of the, the key lessons learned and perhaps advice that has been ignored in your journey. Uh, and is there anything you would not do again? Yeah, very good question. Um, I think it's, these things are so important to, to talk about as a growing company um, and for, for any company. I think one of the, uh, there's so many lessons we've learned. I honestly like, I'm learning lessons just every single day, uh, every month, every year. Um, but one lesson we learned, and probably like a lot of other companies have learned this in the last, you know, 12 to 18 months, is just the, you know, how much we maybe underestimate uncertainty. Um, I definitely didn't see a global pandemic coming. Um, and nor did we necessarily plan for that in our business plan, in our, you know, um, go-to-market risk matrix global pandemic didn't really feature. Um, and maybe it should have given that we're in the business of modeling disasters. Um, but yeah, it's really brought home to me the, I guess the key lesson that I've learned is the ability to be agile, to be ready to, um, you know, pivot not necessarily in your product, so to speak, but, you know, in your um, business model and your go-to-market strategy. Before the pandemic, our go-to-market strategy was uh, very focused around events and traveling. So, you know, going to conferences like InsureTech Connect, um, we were getting great results from and, and things like, um, you know, risk insurance uh, management events. But when the pandemic hit, that really stopped our travel um, in a hurry and we had to think on our feet and, and start to work out how we could engage with our audience and maybe make more use of um, digital mediums such as social media and also using, um, you know, partnerships to our real advantage and, um, you know, doing, doing things like media and podcasts and, and thinking, okay, how are we going to build this relationship with our customers if we can't, you know, be there in person like we planned? And now I think, you know, with a lot of this in hindsight, I'm almost sort of um, grateful for the ability to to do a lot of this 
um, from home and, you know, without the, the travel, I think there's some real, as, as, you know, horrible as it has all been for everyone, I think there's some really good positives that will come out of this in the way that companies collaborate from afar and um, the way we've learned to be agile. So that's certainly a really big learning for me, um, just being flexible, just being able to go with the flow and, and lead your team sort of through an unexpected crisis. Um, I think I've also learned that everything takes longer than you think it will. Um, and this is true of hiring takes longer than you think, sales take longer than you think, raising capital takes longer than you think, and building product. So being trying to get better and always learning um, to plan um, as best we can in terms of uh, how long projects will take, how many resources we need, what capital that will take. Uh, I think I've really improved and learned a lot around that. Um, and yeah, just uh, really learning that um, building a great, great team uh, is so important at the early stage uh, of, of building a company. You know, for FloodMap, our team is everything. Like the hardest problems really need the, the best team to be able to solve them and deliver something at scale. And we're really lucky to, to have a wonderful team. Um, so I've really learned that, yeah, to really invest in that, invest in team, invest in key hires, um, invest in great culture, um, and invest in learning and, and professional development for that team so that they can continue to grow. Um, I was actually talking to someone yesterday doing some research into the factors of, you know, that influence successful scale-up. And one of the things that she mentioned was that for successful teams, um, she'd noticed this real trend in her research that the founders were able to successfully uh, delegate and pass on responsibility with the team as it grows and scales. And, and so that's been a really big learning for me to have that structure and knowledge transfer in place and, and the training and development opportunities to be able to build that team to be able to take it forward. Thank you. And uh, whilst we're talking about team uh, you mentioned how important it is to build that great team. Uh, I've, I came across an adage which says, don't dilute talent. And so when it comes to building the flood map team, has that had a role to play at all? Yeah, definitely. I love this adage uh, when I heard it. I think that it's very true. Um, you know, a, a great team is sort of like a highly functioning ecosystem in a way where you know, everyone feeds off each other and if, you know, everyone's um, a highly skilled person in their field uh, and they also collaborate well with the team, that team can really, you know, feed off each other and, and excel and keep keep growing and um, keep upskilling. And we've certainly noticed that in our team. We have this wonderful kind of ecosystem where a lot of our team is technical right now and some have come from, you know, a software engineering realm and they have to upskill when it comes to flooding and hydrology. Others have come from a flooding hydrology realm and they have to upskill on software. And then we have data scientists. So what we have is this sort of like wonderful Venn diagram of different talents and skills. Um, and everyone's learning from each other. That's one comment we get a lot that people really like working in our team is that they feel that even though they might be a senior in their field, they, you know, have said, you know, I came to FloodMap and I learned more in my first year at FloodMap than I have, you know, over my whole 
career. And that's a wonderful thing to hear. But we certainly recognize that there's a risk of, you know, as we continue to hire and grow the team rapidly, um, we have to be really careful about how we select for new hires and what new talent we introduce because there is a risk that, you know, if we we're picking the wrong hires or, you know, thinking too much of our team's time in, in sort of training or if the attitude isn't right, that that can really disrupt what is a very sort of sensitive ecosystem. And so, I, yeah, I think um, that really rings true to me that, again, your, your team is everything and um, it's really, yeah, you have to be careful about how you grow that. Yes, yeah, great care to be taken in building a team. Uh now, FloodMap's mission mission is all about creating a safer future. And is FloodMap where you imagined it could be at this stage? I think so. Um, or even, yeah, it, it's hard to say. It's always, uh, you know, when you have a mission as, you know, broad and as big as ours is, we, you know, our mission is all about, yeah, building a safer future and becoming the world's uh, most trusted provider of real-time data globally. So we've taken on a pretty big mission. And so, no, it's not where we imagine it could be yet because what I've imagined is just so big, and I think that's what makes us keep moving as fast and, you know, achieving as much as we do because we never feel like we're, we're finished. There's just always so much more to do. We want to move into new geographies. We really want to create an impact in emerging markets where climate impact and and flooding is, is having a significant financial impact um, on, on some of these countries. But at the same time, I, I sort of look back and think, wow, we've come a long way and we've maybe come a lot further than I thought, you know, back in, say, 2017, when this journey was really just getting started, I never thought we'd, you know, make it this far at that stage. So the answer is both yes and no, all at the same time. It's sort of, I have the analogy that it's, um, it's like climbing a mountain some days where you look up and you see, you know, another sort of false peak and you see you have such a long way to go to the summit. But at the same time, if you look behind you and look down, it actually, the ground looks quite a far, far way away and you think, well, I've actually, you know, done a lot. But I think, yeah, we'll, we'll never stop. I think we, we're very ambitious um, and the team is so passionate about, uh, you know, building this technology that can create an impact. Like if you look at um, in Australia alone, we, our economy suffers about $9 billion of flood damage every single year, um, which is probably about a total of like, 60 or 65% of all of the damage from natural disasters in Australia on an annual basis. Um, and a lot of that happens because asset owners and individuals don't have the data to you know, prevent this damage from happening. Uh, we know in the US it's about, you know, Congress budgets $54 billion every year on hurricane and flood damage. Um, but the World Bank has released studies where they found that 35% uh, up to 60% in some cases of flood damage is preventable with improved warning systems and communication of data. So, yeah, so it's really what drives our mission. And, um, yeah, I think we have an incredibly long way to go, but that's what keeps us working so hard to, towards that vision and mission. 
I love that global aspiration there and and your comment about the emerging countries too, uh, where obviously infrastructure is not as strong as, as first world countries and um, the level of in- impact, the data that you and your team are collating could have in those regions would be, I imagine, would be phenomenal. Um, and yes, to learn that so much of this could be prevented, uh, it's a fantastic mission and a fantastic goal for your team to have. And so kind of in wrapping up then, uh, during the evolution of FloodMap, what have you been most grateful for? Oh, so many things. Um, my co-founder, Ryan, uh, he is one of the most smartest people I've ever met uh, in my life and has such an ability to be able to, you know, have kind of understood this whole other, you know, domain of flood engineering and hydrology and the need for the software infrastructure and scalable data pipelines that, you know, goes along with that. Um, And then to be able to sort of build this technical team and literally bring, you know, bring this vision to life. uh, So incredible. And I think um, if it was any other co-founder, I don't know if we would have gotten as far as we have. I think the success of the company is just so much uh, attributed to him and his uh, incredible leadership. So, so grateful to, to have him to work alongside and yeah, I guess our mentors and advisors as well. I think we have connected with so many different um, mentors and advisors over the years uh, from you know the very early days um, through sort of our you know pre-seed and, and seed stages and now as we um, continue our international expansion into the US, just so grateful for all of the people, and I don't even necessarily mean this in terms of a formal advisor or mentor, but I think just so many people over the years that we have talked to in different industry verticals, um, from you know having different knowledge about uh, different sort of venture capital uh, funds and approaches, um, who have taken the time to sit down with us and, and give us their advice, share their learning. Just so grateful for that. Uh, and other founders like you know the InsureTech Australia um, organization is so wonderful because I've been able to connect with all these incredible founders and learnt from from their journey. I think a lot of the things that I've learned um, have been from you know other founders who might be just you know going through a similar phase as you or, or one step ahead that can kind of share what their journey has been like. Um, and then lastly, yeah, just our team. Uh, incredible team of engineers, data scientists, uh, flood engineers um, who are just so talented that, you know, building what we have built is is really all credit to them uh, and they're brilliant. Amazing. So really key people there. Obviously a big shout out to Ryan. Um, I hope he enjoys listening to this <laughs> when when he gets to, to that point uh, and uh, I've actually learned quite a bit about hydrology, um, which I didn't know was a thing uh, before researching flood maps. So thank you for that that little bit of insight there. Um, awesome. So look, thank you so much for your time, Juliet, and for, again, your willingness to share with us and our community here at InsureTech Australia. This has been a fantastic conversation and I hope that we can do this in person sometime soon in the coming months Uh, and all the very best for the upcoming uh, Women in AI finalist awards 
and uh, all the very best for FloodMap. We wish you um, great success. Well, thank you so much, Vanessa, for those kind words. We'll definitely need it. So, yeah, look, looking forward to catching up with you again soon in Sydney. Thank you. From all the team at InsureTech Australia, thank you for joining our conversation today. We have yet another interesting guest sharing with us next month. Catch you then. <laughs>